0: Welcome to Superhuman Action Heroes, where we chat with leading thinkers, culture changers and industry disruptors. We're going to explore their personal experiences and get their advice on how to address the challenges that women face. As more women move into senior leadership positions, albeit not as fast as we would all like, what impact is this having on how we view leadership and the different styles that people use? Today, we're speaking to someone who is no stranger to being the only female in a male led boardroom. As CMO of Lad Bible and Vice, and now The Wireless Group, Mimi Turner has had an impressive career in what some might see as hostile, challenging environments. But most importantly, today, she's going to share with us some great insights and learnings on how to make these environments work better for everyone. Today, we're speaking to someone who is no stranger to being the only female voice in a largely male boardroom. Mimi Turner began her career as a journalist on the Sunday Times and at the Hollywood Reporter before moving over to the corporate world, where she became Group Director of Communications and Public Affairs at Northern and Shell, a media business which owned Channel 5, OK Magazine and The Express Newspapers. Her impressive career has spanned so many different roles, but most notably, she was the first CMO at Lab Bible where she helped transform it from a cult use platform to a mainstream media brand. She then became head of UK Strategy Advice before setting up her own brand strategy business, which advises media businesses on product and positioning. She now works across a range of businesses, including the Wireless Group, home to Talk Sport, Talk Radio and Virgin Radio, where she is currently consulting CMO. Brilliant, excellent, well, welcome. Thank so much you for are. having me. What we're going to be talking about today is um, your experience of leadership, overcoming some of the challenges that you've come across in your career. Yes. You've got quite a unique story, um, and it'd be great if you could start off by telling us a little bit about how how you've progressed into the leadership role that you're in today.
1: It wasn't what I would call a chronicle foretold. Um, I spent a lot of my Well, like well over half my career as a journalist. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, it wasn't something I ever thought of moving into marketing or roles that help businesses make decisions. Um, And even when I was a journalist, I wanted to be really good because I wanted to feel secure, Mm -hmm. especially because we were going to have children, and I needed to have a place that where they really wanted to keep me. Um, But I didn't pursue management roles there because actually. It felt like there was no better job than actually being on the ground. You're a journalist, you can talk to people, you can get people to listen to you, you can try and understand something and render it in a way that other people listen to. So that seemed to be much, much more exciting than the sort of management trajectory in media businesses or, you know, on the commercial side or editorial, even on the editorial side, sort of managing a whole set of writers. That didn't really appeal to me. So leadership wasn't something that I had thought about. But I left journalism because I felt that it was contracting. And at that point, I really needed to upskill because I felt very down on the kind of skills that journalists had, which didn't seem to translate. You know, journalists speak in words, and it's a very image-driven, visual storytelling-driven world. You know, we'd never done any kind of presentations or PowerPoint or Excel. I felt like, wow, I've got to mm. skill up. Um, but what, did you do, what did you do to skill up? I was hired to work for Richard Desmond as his communications director Mm -hmm. and Richard's hired people that he's liked or thought could survive his world and he didn't care what experience they had. He would much prefer to have a person that he could work with than to have somebody who was an expert. So I had this very unusual transition of seeing an organisation from the top. It was like a billion pound media organisation with a TV station, a regulated lottery business, it had two national newspapers, it had magazines. When you're a journalist you speak to CEOs, Mm. that's basically who you speak to. So actually to land in that environment didn't seem like I jumped from one place to another that I didn't understand. And actually, he had a real focus on simplicity and clarity and immediacy. And I understood all those things. So actually, rendering the challenges of that environment through those things were the things I knew how to do. Yeah. And actually, what I find is that when you move out of an environment where simplicity, clarity and immediacy are focused, then, it's, then you're much more into politics and into the kind of friction and the sort of distortions that that gets. But that was actually a very simple environment in some ways, even though the jobs were complicated Mm -hmm. and... That gave me a framework to think what I thought worked mm-hmm. because we had to get things to work very quickly. And it enabled me to work in different environments. So Live Bible was a very digital-first environment, completely different from traditional media business. And I think the core thing about being a journalist, which I had not realised at the time, because I've come out thinking, oh, I don't think I really know anything, the core thing is you take a very immediate view of something. Mm. Something that typically, most many other people in that sphere know much, much, much more about than you do. Your job as a journalist is not to be wrong. You know, you write a story about, I you wrote know, a story for the Sunday Times about a new cure for diabetes. If somebody can write to my editor and say, well actually that's complete nonsense, mm. or this bit that you said is wrong. And my whole story kind of falls apart. And what
0: drew you to the role at Lad Bible? Because that, you know, obviously the clue's in the name. Yes. It sounds like a, you know, quite a laddish environment. <laughs> Tell us about that decision that you made.
1: Well, it was a very, very much smaller business than it is now. I think mm-hmm. Lad Bible now is a kind of very recognised, uh, respected media business. And I think part of my working there helped to make that transition. Um, but when I got there, um, it was like 25 guys, most of them under 23. Mm-hmm. I think the CEOs were 24. And what I felt in that business is just an incredible trajectory of connection with the audience, which I had not experienced in my other environment. Mm-hmm. So I always felt when I was there that I was going to learn much more from them than I was going to be able to... In part to them which which turned out to be completely true but the thing that I think I was able to understand is the journey that that business has to navigate in order to still be alive mm-hmm. in two years time because becoming part of the media mainstream was I felt to be the key goal mm-hmm. and unless we, we can't do that by being an outsider. There are some values to being an outsider, but we couldn't really do that in that framework. It was much better to integrate and to say, look, these are some bits that we know, but to have a kind of respect for the bigger firmament. And I think what they wanted is somebody who could help change the way people thought about them. Right. Uh, and I felt that was really very straightforward because when I met the people in the business and saw the business, I really really liked the business mm-hmm. so it didn't seem a, a tradition a kind of a big transition people kind of use the word leadership mm-hmm. a lot and I'm really wary of the word uh, I think that leadership isn't for everybody and nor is everybody for leadership it's not an automatic reward for hard work mm-hmm. it's not an automatic reward for it's not even an automatic reward or, or then mm-hmm. often is for for great performance. I think there's some components of leadership that I was lucky to possess and also to have a skill in. When I say lucky, I mean, I didn't strive to achieve those things, but I think one of the things about leadership that's really important is that I feel you have to like people. Mm-hmm. You have to really, really like people. If you're gonna go into an organization, you're gonna try something new, you're gonna bring some knowledge from somewhere else and say, oh, I'm gonna change this. You've got to care about those people. You've got to understand them, you've got to be able to hear when they're telling you what's wrong, mm. not just kind of, you know, and you've got to want to be part of them, and part of that, that journey. And I think I was really lucky because I always really liked people. I, I, I not only like people, but I also like liking people mm-hmm. um, and I'm fascinated by people and when I'm with people and we're doing something together, that makes me very happy. Uh, so, I think that is a really important element because strategy strategy doesn 't matter mm-hmm. what it is. you know people and the culture of an organization are whether are the determinant for whether you can actually get change to happen. I think the other thing that Jennas gave me is a kind of fearlessness mm-hmm. so, which i didn't and somebody pointed out to me that i am forever going into jobs that I don't have any experience of and it made me laugh because actually I don't think of myself as a fearless person when you're around men Mm -hmm. I think they're much more fearless Mm -hmm. but it made me laugh because I think that's true I just genuinely don't have that fear I should have that fear I should think about it a lot more but my career trajectory has been to move very comfortably from something I didn't know about to something else I didn't know about thinking well actually I'll, I'll learn that on the job I feel that Do you you feel that, um, as a woman, you've noticed your difference
0: when you've come into those sort of situations where you've been given a situation where you want to lead? I'm almost embarrassed (coughs) to ask the question because I feel like no-one asks a man how he feels about being a man as a leader. Yes, yes. But the problem is that there are so few women who are leaders. So I guess the question is, you know, how much does you as a woman come into your role as a leadership, a leader, sorry. And and how much do you think that's factored into roles where you've stepped into what could seem like quite a difficult situation potentially?
1: Yeah. Um, I think it's 100% different. I'm like 100% also, I'm 100% woman. I'm probably in my early career, I probably tried to feel very much the same. And I think you are, you are competing in the same way and you, you feel that that's fine. But once I had children, I felt I am, this is really who I am, mm-hmm. you know, my real life is at home, my, my kind of pretend life in which I seek some Wagnerian global conferences is <laughs> only in, in my working life, you know, actually my real life is quite, quite, quite stable, so it's uh, 100% different, mm-hmm. but I mean, I have worked in some very male businesses, and I work there, I think because... I really liked them, and I Mm. think i sat in three now, all male management teams except for me. In each of those, I remember a very distinct moment thinking, God, I really, really like these guys. I think they're so clever. Uh, I like the way they try to solve problems. I like how bold they are, I like how fearless they are. So I I liked them once for being good guys, and I liked them double for being great guys. Mm. They were both good guys and great Mm. guys. And I really liked that in that environment, which I think helped me to manage all the differences with a much greater degree mm. of sympathy and also empathy. Mm. Um, and what kind of differences? I think that men in male environments just speak a different language than women do, but they all speak the same language, so it seems like the same language to them. I think they're just over, over... Not overconfident, I think they're they have a kind of successes about magical thinking like we're going to go to the mar- mars um, it's about very short term stuff like this big number i want it even though it's not really a, a, a credible you know a smaller number could be more meaningful but we'll have the big number and i think it is there is a kind of aggression mm. at the heart of it which is you know to kill everybody or i'm yeah. going to kill that you know and these three things are not necessarily a component of every man mm. But in an aggregation of men, I think they become the dominant framework. Mm. So having to navigate that, you know, 800-pound gorillas are not going to look at me and think, oh, a 900-pound gorilla. And I think that men, whether they are aware of it or not, just don't respond to seniority in women. So Mm. I, I think one of the reasons I don't probably think of myself as a leader is because even when I was a leader in those positions people didn't perceive me as that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had to prove everything from the way from the way up. And, and so I spent inordinate amounts of time resolving what on paper were logical issues. But I think that is true of professional life. If only we understood that it wasn't what was linear and visible, mm. but the inordinate, you know, 80% of effort changing. That so this actually works, and so there are lots of different conflicts you'd have. Typically, with somebody who ran a big business unit, you, yeah. you know, who's very like you know 40 plus, ambitious, wants to go all the way to the top, doesn't think doesn't think he has to listen to. This woman who's sitting in front of him. And so there, I think, yeah, there, I had, a, you know, a number of those conflicts. And there's always a way around those conflicts. But, you know, I don't go into those conflicts now thinking, I'm going to lose in this conflict. It's very frustrating, mm. but I, I always feel that I'm, I know how to win, because I've fought this particular £800 governor before. And it's much better, because I can't, you know, I cannot summon the even in me, regardless of whether I have that power on a piece of paper, mm. That desire to go go all out—that you are looking constantly for ways to cooperate, yeah, and so, to win a, a, a different for them to win a different battle, yeah—is my default strategy. Yeah. I, don't, I have no other strategy. That's my plan A, <laughs> and I got no plan B. So <laughs> I um... love
0: that. I mean, I, I suppose um, I, I, I want to come back to something you said a minute ago about the vision of leadership is the 800 pound ape. Or yes, gorilla. you know, that's a super male. Yes, slash masculine—a way of doing leadership or being a leader. But arguably, there are different ways to lead, and it doesn't always have have to look like that. Have you seen that change at all, or is that is that the uh, is that the still the the long-held fallacy dream? What what do you think?
1: I I don't think that model works except if there are only men in an environment. Mm. And that is just not the case now. So I think that for maybe 3,000 years, that was the most successful model. Mm. And actually, it was very hard on the men who were at the top of that. They had to constantly be fighting other 800-hand yeah. gorillas. They probably didn't have the resource that I had to get round it. So they had to, they had to oh. go into that battle. battle. And one of them came out alive and the other didn't yeah. come out at all. Um, so I think that was a model, and it has developed certain... Um, it has some strong points, not the least of which for 3,000 years has yes, been adopted. But in the relative recent microscopic past of women being in the workplace based on skills mm. and knowledge and exams and things that they have, I think the challenge for the workplace is very different. It's not The challenge for the workplace is not... can we allow more women in because women are already in Mm -hmm. even when you didn't allow them in they found a way to get in and every woman who's in the workplace knows how to speak the language of men they know how to understand and 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 deal with this you know they are people who go to another country and don't speak the language that everybody else speaks but they still navigate their way through Mm -hmm. and with you know, women who are hard-working than I am and more focused and more intelligent and more, more resilient get all the way to the top, even in this hostile environment. Mm. So I think the challenge for the workplace is not how women can adapt to men, because actually we've learned that already. We're going to adapt to men and we're going to tell stories better and we're going to bring more people more and women are going to be more successful in the workplace then men. The challenge in the workplace is how do men understand that they now have to speak another language, mm. one that there is no history of them knowing about. There's not 3,000 years no. of the way that women speak to each other and work with each other and cooperate on a I win, you win model rather than an I win, you lose model. Mm. There's not 300 years of doctrine around no. that, let alone 3,000. So how are men going to understand how to be different. It is men who are gonna to have to be different in the workplace of the future. Women may face some challenges that are to do with not being successful as quickly as we want to, and also having children and also being successful. Mm. But I think that's, those are moderate challenges compared to the scale of how do men adapt to people that they don't understand, people who have different instincts from them, and those people are now increasingly a part of the workplace because women bring network effects. The more women there are in an organization, mm. the more female it is, and the more and the better it is for those women. And I feel that, say, in organizations that I work in, mm. consultant in News UK, which is a very female to male ratio organization and female led. So I think that the ch- I think we might be misreading in a tr- dramatic way mm. what the challenge of the future is. How do you get a twenty-year-old to think about things? How do you get a forty-year-old? These four hundred-pound gorillas did not come out of that conflict with me, mm. running around um, the, um, the amphitheatre, you know, with my <laughs> head on a pl- uh, on a stick. That's not what happened. Mm. Uh, how do they understand that? Actually, if only they just like step back, yeah. stop trying to put, you know, their masculine power on the table we could have both of one or you know it wouldn't have to be I I don't think that those things are strong enough yeah in and of themselves to be as powerful as what women can bring to the to the workplace because women are just slightly better at doing the things that human beings that took human beings from middle of the um, food chain to right at the top Storytelling, being able to believe that you belong to something, being able to communicate and feel emotions based on experiences you yourself did not have—those are what took human beings to the top of the food chain. And I think women do them slightly better than men. What examples have you seen of
0: men making this a, 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 making this change? Then have you, can you can you think or call out any examples <laughs> where you've you've well, seen a, sort of this thing, in, this this ev- evolution really in in um, practice?
1: I want to say, I want to say, yes, I say it all the time, <laughs> but I, I don't really. i tell you where you do see it. I think you see it much more in older, so 50, 60-year-old men who've founded businesses or run businesses for a long time or maybe own those businesses so they're owner-managers um, and so they don't themselves have a fear that somebody is going to come in, some woman is going to replace them. They don't have that. They just don't even get up. You know, they think some man might come and replace them, but they just don't think that some woman is. But they do understand that actually in the workplace, to get things done, to drive your PL, to sell more stuff, to you, uh, women are actually really good at this Mm. and they see women all the time and actually I think they're they are quite good at understanding in a way that maybe a 25 year old CEO of a data business Mm. has yet to understand that actually these are things that I need Mm. I need these skills I need these people I need these people to feel that they want to come back day after day after day and I think maybe they are actually these kind of elder statesmen have the experience to be listened to when they say actually these women were better for my organisation so that's one place but I think as I said I don't think there is any learning history that you need women in your organisation. Women and men have worked together for what less than a hundred years I mean women and men probably had much more history working desperately hard in their different silos mm. so that the species survived or the village survived mm. or the tribe survived or the men went to war and the women did. You know, we, it's not like we never worked hard. It's just we never really worked hard together. Yeah. So for women to be welcome in the workplace, I think you have to demonstrate and focus on demonstrating that your goals are the organisation's goals. Mm. I think the reason I was able to move relatively quickly at relatively senior levels in relatively hostile organizations is because I was able to bring something, plus I was completely aligned with the goals of, you know, the management team could have been Martians, troglodytes, <laughs> myself, and a kind of whimsical CEO, and I'm, I'm in to yeah. those goals. We need to sell more stuff, I want to sell more stuff, we need to speak to more people, I want to speak to more people. Yeah. And, and that's what organisations are. Organisations are primarily not snapshots of society. They are organisations that live or die by their ability to pay people's bills at the end yeah. of it. So, so I felt very little friction in environments that were pa- perhaps, you know, when you look at them, not that frictionless. And what about, I mean,
0: obviously there's a, you know, there is a, a well-documented, well-understood... Um, challenge at the moment with women in senior <coughs> leadership positions. In fact, it's actually gone down globally in the last year or two, yeah. um, You know, which is obviously a problem. I mean, there still is this dropout of women who have been there, in that situation of you who are, have either, through choice or through factors beyond their control, have chosen to have us have stepped out of those senior leadership positions. And as you say, they were in the workplace. They were there, yeah. but they're not making it to the top what do you think the barriers are for those women that you haven't been party to like what if you could compare yourself to them what what is it that you have managed to
1: overcome that they haven't or a, or a real, what circumstances yeah. have yes. been different for you yeah. i would i i i wouldn't um i wouldn't say that i found something easier that smarter, more committed women didn't. I think I felt very comfortable about choosing that my children and my time with my children came first. Mm. That was for me um, uh, non-negotiable. There was, so when I had my children, I took the maximum amount of maternity leave and then I went back to work full time but, in a way, because I worked for a paper in L.A., mm. and they said, oh, you can just manage it. As long as you keep on delivering stuff, and journalism is very um, mm. empirical. You can see whether you've got the story or not. You either did or you didn't. It's kind of, kind of quite binary. So as long as you keep doing that, they weren't that fast um, how I managed my time. So I was able to, you know, see my kids when they came home. And that, for me, there was... I, could, I often thought about it. What would it take for me to give this up in order you know, if I earn like half a million quid, is that the price? And I just couldn't come up with a price in my head that would make that worth it. So I felt, um, so, and I might be different. There might be lots of other women who, and I see really, uh, as I say, much more women who I think are much more successful who go on to be, you know, full-time leaders of full-time organisations, because I think, uh, who, um, but I think that takes so much of everybody. Mm. I see various male bosses I... Uh, have worked for and it's 98% of their time Mm. it's 98% of their time and 98% of their attention they may have young children they may have teenage children they may have all this but they are voluntarily opting for that not to be their most defining criteria and I just think I'm not prepared to do that Mm. if as a woman you're prepared to do that I think you will go all the way Mm. Mm. Um, very few women are very few men are, but I think men expect it more of each other mm. than women expect it of themselves or each other. Mm. I feel yeah. really good about my decision to be there when Herbie came home from nursery at lunchtime, and to, and I, you know, and it wasn't straightforward because it's very messy trying to combine yeah. those two things, and you know, you're always one step away from disaster. I remember interviewing the C- CEO of BskyB in my office, but Herbie it was I think then two, was outside. He'd got the standing from the bathroom. He was just banging on the door. And I was thinking, okay, these things are not, they're not, you know, this is not me at my credible best. But I also think men understand that. Um, And I I understood men in senior roles much better once I had had children because whatever they're doing, their secret life is at, you know, six o'clock in the morning, somebody threw up over them, five o'clock you know, Saturday, Sunday. So I understood their their lives much better. I think there are a billion reasons not to want to run big businesses. Mm. I think there are very few reasons to want to... First of all, your self-esteem has got to come from that Mm. and not somewhere else. And I just think that men can get more self-esteem from their social... Position at the top of the gorilla pack than women. I don't get myself... I get some of my self-esteem yeah. from professional life. But what I really like in professional life is to meet clever people. Mm. I, meet, I like clever people who make me think differently and I work very hard, so clever people think I'm clever too. Mm. And I try to do that in the most efficient way. Um, and that's, that's all the success. That's all success yeah. needs to be for me. And I will feel successful. What do you think...
0: You've seen in terms of female representation in senior leadership roles, sort of in your career, do you feel like you're seeing more women around you in in leadership roles taking on new dimensions and new approaches to leadership?
1: Yes, and I think when they do, they make a big difference. Mm. And we see it a lot in media and advertising. And I think it's, you know, the more women in organisations, the more women will be in organisations because we, we I, I find when I work with women now, I often try to think, what is the, what's the delta? And I think it's that sense that I feel, you know, there might only be 30% of an organisation women, but with those 30%, I feel that we understand one another a little bit more quickly. Mm-hmm. We, our automatic assumption is, how can we cooperate really well? Mm-hmm. And because of those two things, we get where we needed to be quicker and with a bit of added value. So we, we brought more to the process mm. than we were expecting to. And, and I wonder whether men, who speak the same language as other men, meet 60% of the men in their organisation and feel that they got there quicker. Did you get there quicker? It might be something that we start to think about. Mm. You know, I don't think we measure anything that tells us whether we're going to be more successful. I'd like to see more groups of people um, and I think it goes for women, I think it also goes for ethnic minorities, mm-hmm. I think it goes for people from different backgrounds. You know, one, one is not, you're not done when you've got one woman on your management team or you've got one, or even one person who ticks lots of boxes mm-hmm. saying that's That's not the solution, They're, you know, if you want to open up mindsets, you need little, you need cohorts yeah. of strength of a different mindset. Yeah. So I think that women, because we are not a minority, are actually going to be able to change and and I understand that being there is a tremendously powerful thing. I don't think uh, I don't think women should feel in the organisation that because they're not represented in the management team that's not they don't have power. Mm. I think they're just, you know, years away from having much, much, much more ability to influence an outcome, which is what I think power really is. Yeah. It's the ability to influence thinking, strategy, decisions. And that you know, men don't need to come all the way. They don't need to be kind of inclusive collegiate feminists, they just need to understand what delivers better results for them, which I think actually, even, you know, 800-pound gorillas are quite good at, at, at analysing what gets a, a, a good, good result. Yeah. Indeed. Um, but I think the job of leadership is perhaps... Um, unnecessarily hard Mm. and it's maybe impossible and one thing that happens and and I think we've seen in politics that once you make uh, the job of leadership be so close to being the job of a saint that it's virtually (laughs) indistinguishable what you open the way for is people who say actually I don't want to do that I disregard that model completely I'm going to invent my own model where I'm only for the people that I like Mm. and I think that's where we have to be we're wary, you know. We we don't want the workplace to be a place where men feel they want to make men great again. Uh, we don't want to create environments where we can dis get rid of a model of that leans into fairness and equality, even though it doesn't achieve it, because it's just a you know, it's actually better for me not to do that. I, and I think we, you know, politics is a very good framework for for understanding what we might see happening in large organisations, because mm. they're large organisations are basically small countries yeah. uh, with their own leader, their own politics, their own um, and I, I think that's a that's a, a greater concern. So just to kind of wrap things up,
0: if you um, could give any advice to young women who are looking at their future <coughs> career and look at the desire to be a leader and want to be a leader, what would you what would you say to them? What, what advice would you give?
1: I think it depends on what they think of being a leader is. If you think of your 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 life is about, you want to be the CEO of a business because you think that you're very, very suited to that. I don't think I've got you know, then I'm like to say, go for that, you know, if you want to do that, that's great mission and, and you'll change the world just by by wanting to do that. Is that leadership all the time? Is does it take just one leader? No, I think it, I think leadership might be a more collegiate thing. And I think that you can maybe you don't need that achievement to signal leadership. Um, I think You know, maybe women aren't ambitious enough or don't maybe think of themselves as ambitious enough. So I would say look at the trends and realise that you're in the right place at the right time, possibly for the first time in history. Um, So the cards are probably going to, regardless of what it may look or feel or Mm. seem like in the immediacy, as long as you don't start to frame your work your life as against men in order to succeed... You're very likely to be very successful. And that feels like an excellent
0: place to finish. <laughs> Regina, thank you so much for being a superhuman action hero. Really appreciate your time.
1: Well, I really enjoyed the conversation. Um, I'm sure I'll regret almost everything <laughs> I said so candidly because you invited me right. in such a generous way, but I loved it.
0: Oh, thank you. <laughs>